The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Welcome to Cavs the Podcast. I'm Nate Smith. I'm here with Chris Francis, and we're talking Cavs. It's been a hot minute. Chris, how's your summer going? <laughs> uh, it's been busy. <laughs> yeah, same. Uh, oh, my God. Yeah, so it, it's been uh, definitely busy past few weeks, and like this is literally – you caught me on the perfect time because this was literally the first day that I had after a deadline that I had to meet. So, like, this is the first time I even had a chance to breathe and have some fun. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I've been texting back and forth with you. I've been dealing with, so I went up to Alaska for about eight days for a wedding. Um, someone I went to college with, and as many of nice. you may know, I grew up there. And um, this was actually someone who was in my wedding 23 years ago. And wow. I actually... Yeah, and her and her ex husband were. Her ex husband was a groomsman, and she was a bridesmaid. And of course, they both live up there. And between their two families, they have six kids. Um, <laughs> and he remarried um, like three years ago. Um, I introduced him to his wife, and then she remarried uh, this last summer, or not this last summer, this last month. Uh, in Palmer, Alaska. So, uh, shout out to Amanda. <laughs> Congratulations on your num- nuptials. Um, and uh, yeah, my wife and our whole family went up there. So, but the problem was, I came back and I got horrible, horrible asthma uh, oh, attacks man. and just couldn't breathe. I don't know if it was a change of environment, but I could barely get through a conversation. So I had to finally well, suck it up and get on the the prednisone and. Yeah, and I'm well, on the road to recovery. So there was those crazy fires and oh yeah, uh, and the yeah. haze did not help. Yeah, we yeah. get 
we haven't had it as bad as Northeast Ohio here, but we've definitely like tonight was a pretty hazy day. So, oh, I forgot you're in Michigan now. Damn. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a I'm a Michigander. So, yeah, and it was funny when we were flying out. We flew out of Chicago. We drove into Chicago and flew from Chicago, and it was just like it was like a scene from a a future apocalypse movie, just with all the haze everywhere. Oh, it was kind yeah, of miserable. I know. I know. So, was, I mean, it, it, I was in Cincinnati. Oh, you guys have had some horrible days in Ohio. I know. Oh yeah. Yeah, so well, well, and they've gotten that smoke as far away as Spain. Oh, yeah. oh which is really? crazy. Yeah, oh, yeah, this is, yeah, it's so crazy. So anyway, yeah, it's great summer. <laughs> Ancient Chinese uh, curse may you live in interesting times. That's right. <laughs> so, but uh, closer to home, little Cavs news. Uh, Darius Garland um, had an interview with uh, Chris Bedor this week. Um, were you able to take that in and all, Chris? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I was telling you just before we came on, uh, came on air or whatever, uh, that uh, I, I didn't know really what to think of it. You know, uh, I, I thought it was nice. Um, I think what caught my eye really was um, Garland's comments about the playoffs. So that was really yeah. I'm with you, and I kind of wanted to get your take on those. Yeah, I mean. I I was just thinking about it actually um uh, just before we started potting or whatever and um I, to me it's interesting because like I think it ties into to the Donovan Mitchell question honestly is because it's about Darius Garland and Evan Mobley's development how fast can they like fast track their those two guys development into real playoff performers or, you know, they have to discover if they're playoff performers, you know what I mean? And it's, they're just so young and, uh, and the clock's ticking with Donovan Mitchell. So, I mean, it was interesting to read those comments by Garland to see how much it hurt for him to lose in the playoffs, especially the way they did, you know, where yeah. the whole team struggled. It was kind of embarrassing so, um, and it seems like the, the thing that caught my attention was, uh, Garland talking about how he's watched the series like over and over, like he keeps on <laughs> replaying the series, uh, and watching it. He I think they said that, I don't know what was the quote, like that he watched it double digits, like the whole series, double digit times. Like that's a lot. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I'm with you. I probably, if I was a, professional basketball player i would have watched this i'd have done the same for sure i mean i would have definitely fixated on the losing and what my question is for him is like how much blame do you put on the coach like if you watch that series double digit times are you seeing the same things that you know you and i saw chris francis we're just you know, specifically, you talked about uh, Brian Windhorse. Windhorse called uh, JB out like two weeks ago, basically said his rotations and his coaching and his ability to match up with the Knicks just was not good enough in the playoffs. And I thought that was a pretty stinging rebuke from uh, Windhorse. And, you know, there's got to be some player comments behind that. And I just wonder how much of that Garland caught during uh, during his film review. But 
on the other, the flip side of that, I love the desire to get better, the desire to learn from your mistakes, the desire to kind of let those mistakes, you know, fuel you and drive you to better success. So that part was really good. I just kind of wonder if he sees unfixable holes, but it sounds like there was a lot of things the Cavs could have done that they didn't do. I think the big quote was like, even in the Cavs blowout win, they made a lot of mistakes. And I think we all agreed that that was the case. And I think that was kind of the Cavs all year were good enough to rise above their mistakes until the playoffs. And then they weren't. And hopefully they realize it's, you know, the little things that have to get better and the mistakes can't keep happening that are, you know, dooming possessions and dooming games. Yeah. I mean, if you take a, you, what you're making me think is like taking a look back at the regular season. What's interesting about like, what's interesting about if you examine like the wins and losses that they had, especially against like against the big contending teams. Um, I think that it was just they caught a lot of the top contending teams on good nights where they were able to beat them or when in, when the games really mattered. Like, you know, the the loss that always sticks out of, over last season was like Philly. When they went to Philly. Um, and just got blown. throttled. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's because that was like the first meaningful game they had in like a in, in, three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And then the, they, they you and I accused them of, I believe it was your term, bum slaying for three straight weeks. <laughs> well, I mean, what was funny about it, the re, and it kind of harkens back to what you're saying about coaching. Um, to me, it's not about the plays or anything. It's about the, it, it, to me, it's definitely about the rotations. Cause I mean, it was Jeff Van Gundy in the first quarter say, questioning JB's decision about starting three non shooters and in Okoro, Mobley, and Allen. Uh, he just kept on harping on it the whole first quarter as they're getting blown out in this game at Philly. He's just like, I don't know how long you can have three non shooters on the floor. You know, and yeah, I'm it's with just you. like, you know, if we're failing at these kind of like basic ideas about spacing and shooting and offense and stuff like that, like, <laughs> you know, you, you're screwed for the play. Yeah. Failure to launch. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, and I know that's a horse we've beaten into the ground, but, you know, I do like you know, Garland basketballs, uh, basketball without borders. Um, obviously he's there with JB. So there's definitely, you know, he's still connecting with JB. Um, I do like, I mean, the one thing you say about Garland, he's just a fantastic representative of the team in the city and, you know, not a guy you worry about off the court at all. And I think given some of the rumors of the guys that were attached to coming to Cleveland over the summer, um, there was some worry about some unsavory folks maybe making their way to Cleveland. And I mean, the one thing you can say about this team is there's really nobody on this team that you're like, oh, this guy. Yeah, I don't want him in my locker room. Like, do the Cavs don't have a guy like that currently? And my my whole thing, I think the one guy everybody was a little bit worried about 
was Amoni Bates, just given his kind of reputation coming out of high school and college and some of the incidents that happened with him. And we'll get to him a little bit later, but he was everything you could ask for in summer league. Um, so that Cavs culture is still paying dividends. So, and they didn't add anybody who was a big uh, net negative uh, on or off the, well, at least off the court. So oh, yeah. I'm, yeah. yeah, I'm excited. I, I mean, there's still a team you can root for, and that was a lot of fun. And, and that was definitely evidence in summer, summer league. Anything more you want to say about Garland? Yeah, I mean, I think that going back to whether your question about, like, did he see things, like, him and JB are tied to the hip, you know? So I don't see, you know, I think if you ask Garland it, what he notices when he watches the tape, I mean, he just missed shots and he was passive. He didn't take shots that he would normally take, you know. He wasn't looking to score, you know, uh, and and shoot threes. Basically, he doesn't hunt threes. I think enough. Um, and well, and the Cavs don't run offense for him. I don't know if they call offense for him, but when they the Cavs need to use whenever Mitchell and Garland are off the ball. They need to use those guys like Steph Curry. Like those guys are that level of shooter that they need to be running screens for them all over the court and use their gravity to get open shots and get open shots for interior players. Like they should be running baseline drag screens and having those guys pop out to the corner. And when two guys follow them, there's a dunk for Jared Allen or, you know, they need to be, if I was them, I would almost 100% copy the Warriors' offense uh, because with with the like you should look at the sets the Warriors were running with not on defense but on offense with uh, Steph Curry and Jordan Poole on the floor. Those are the sets the Cavs should be running like every sure, I mean, play when nice, they're on the floor together. The, the problem is that they don't have the personnel to pull that kind of scheme off. Like, why don't they? I mean, I I have no idea. I just know that <laughs> it's the Warriors scheme is definitely, to me, primarily about the personnel they have. Like, and specifically, you're talking about how their offensive scheme works. Like, the thing that the Cavs are missing is a, a passing big like Draymond Green. Well, that's who Evan Mobley needs to become. Sure. And, yep. and that will take us to our next segment when we come back. <laughs> Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to Jazz the Podcast. I'm Nate Smith. I'm here with Chris Francis. Uh, we're down one Eli Kim tonight, but uh, he will be Eli. back. Yeah, yeah. No uh, Korean takeover tonight. Man. <laughs> that was an awesome pod, by the way. I really enjoyed that. That was a blast. Yeah. Yeah, you fun. guys were great. You guys had great two-man chemistry. You were like... There you go. You were like... I, I was thinking more Channing Fry and Kyle Korver. 
Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> you know, because you had the Korean Channing Fry. That's right. I, you can be the Korean Kyle Corver. Oh, I'll take it. I'll take that all day. That's what's up. Yeah, I mean, who is he G- GM of Atlanta now? So Is he really? Wow. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> I mean, I, that's crazy. I mean, that, yeah, I mean he just was out. I mean, like, he was just playing a few years ago. Less than. Yeah, less than well, it, it, it. Time go time moves fast. In the I know. That's, yeah. <laughs> so speaking of time moving fast in the NBA, we do have a couple more um, recent news items. I think uh, there was a remaining free agents article for the Cavs, and I think the Cavs would have thirteen guys under contract. And the thought is that with three three way players, they probably won't add a fifteenth. Um, they'll kind of wait and see what the buyout market is or bring in guys for injuries in 10 days and that kind of thing. Um, so with that 14th roster spot, there was just a cleveland.com article of kind of who is the best remaining free agents. Um, I think maybe before we get to that, I know you and Eli have talked about this, uh, a little bit, but what, uh, I, after having what we're at about seven weeks to digest, uh, how are you feeling about the Cavs free agency class, Chris? Oh, did I lose you? No, I'm sorry. I, had a mute. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that you were just sitting mute. there steaming. I know. I mean, well, no, no, I wasn't even steaming. I was like talking. You, oh, you okay. know, I was just like, oh yeah, that's a great question. And then <laughs> I was like, oh wait, he can't hear me. <laughs> so how are you feeling about the Cavs free agency class? I mean, to me, yeah. So to me, it's it's. I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm feeling whatever about it. Like I, I'm not excited about it, but I'm curious. You know, to see yeah. how it actually will work. You know, it'd be nice. I'm, I'm curious of a lot of things, and it kind of goes back to I'm really curious about JB. Actually, you know, to keep on pulling at that thread is is he actually going to play these guys? Because I, I don't think he has a choice because they suck on defense, and we already know yeah. how he we already know how he operates. You know, in terms of his biases, and so. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm curious, can, does he have the nerve to rock with them, you know, in in pressure situations, you know, and trust them, you know, when when the you know when he needs to trust them. So, uh, it, you know, I'm hopefully, and and the other thing is, hopefully, we'll see just a, a more fun brand of offense, you know. That for sure, I'm it, I'm 100 you know, on board with that. So, you know, they, they need to improve on offense. That's what the playoff, that, that's literally what the playoffs, you know, that was the failure of the playoffs is that they yeah. didn't get, you know, Donovan Mitchell or Darius Garland any chance to, you know, create essentially. Yeah. And, and kind of to go with that, um, any free agents that are still out there that you would like to, see the Cavs go after. I know for you and me, the one thing that we're still super concerned about from especially a bench standpoint is rebounding. Um, Is there anybody out there that can kind of an outside guy at the 14th roster spot? Or are you just filling? Are you just filling? Is it just a body at this point? I mean, I'm joining the Christian Wood bandwagon again. 
like right now. Like that's the missing link right there. Uh, I mean, yeah. That's a way you, I mean, like he's a bona fide, I think he's a rotation player. He is a rotation player by every analytic in the NBA. Yeah. So he's a starting quality power forward slash center. And he's young, you know, he's, yeah. he's 27 or 28. Yeah. yeah. So he's a fresh body, you know, the, you need guys that, you know, the, it's a long season injuries take a toll, you know, you need those younger bodies to, you know, absorb minutes. So, uh, and I think he just adds that dimension. Like you said, he, he's a great rebounder. Um, everything says that he can rebound on the defensive end. So, yeah. um, he's not a good. I think he's much more suited as a backup center, at least defensively, in that he's not great on shooters. I think he's very much going to play that Kevin Love role defensively where you you play him in a zone and tell him to go get the rebounds. This is why you have Evan Mobley. Oh, absolutely. And Jared Allen. Like, he's a guy that can play with both players. Yeah. I mean, you know, at least defensively. Yeah, I would say I would say he probably matches better with Mobley, to be honest. But, yeah, um, but this is literally why you have Evan Mobley is so yeah. you could run these two big lineups and pair. Um, you know, I think Wood can defend the rim at least. You know, to let him let him sit in the paint, defend the rim, and let uh, Mobley switch on the perimeter, and uh, and then you're super tall you know, on defense and then you have, um, you know, a little bit of juice on offense. So. I yeah. And I mean, I think it's interesting because I don't think you're going to see the Cavs go over the luxury tax this year, unless the only way I could see the Cavs going over the luxury tax this year is if they are just absolutely killing it before the trade deadline. And it's like, okay, this team needs to make a trade to like put themselves in finals contention. Yep. Um, yep. That's the only way I could really see them going over the luxury tax. Yeah. No, I mean, I, that's, that makes sense. Which means you're either, there's two ways to get a Christian Wood in that case. You either sign and trade him for a guy like Isaac Okoro uh, with Dallas, or you bring him in on a make good contract. Like one, two year, guaranteed league minimum with a one-year opt-out the guy comes in plays on a make good contract and then you've got you know the whole season to prove it i think yeah. that's a really tough sell with the amount of money that they're paying george yang but i don't know I don't the minutes are there i don't yeah i don't necessarily even think that's um i don't think that's all that um I don't think that's all that important. I mean, I think you said it perfectly in terms of he's young enough where if he takes a one-year deal minimum on a good team, shows that he can play winning basketball. That's Yeah, that's always be. been his problem. You know, exactly. So this is a golden opportunity for him to show he can actually make an impact on a winning team. And, yeah. And, and, and parlay that. So, you know. I, I think you could sell it. I can, you can sell him on a one year deal. I think, especially at this point where it seems like nobody wants him. Yeah. I, I would say the other side of that is what is the point of having a great culture? If you can't bring in a guy who's kind of mm-hmm. been a locker room pro- problem and get him in your culture and try to turn him around. Like 
I mean, it's great to have a bunch of tryhards, but if you don't have talent, it doesn't kind of matter how good your culture is. You know, exactly. you need guys that can shoot and rebound. Yeah. So I, I like that idea a lot. Um, another guy I'm big on that I'm just baffled hasn't gotten much of a sniff is Speed Mihailuk, who had a, kind of finally put it all together last year after several different stints, had really good shooting numbers, really good, you know, not horrible defensive metrics uh, when that was kind of his problem. He's six seven. He's an absolute knockdown shooter 45 percent from three last year like what 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 more do you need to see you know that that's my thing like you got guys that can shoot um and you don't have to pay 18 million for them so <laughs> bring them in um yeah i mean there's i mean there's a lot of options now i'm looking at the list of available players i mean you go on down the list there's very intriguing names. I mean, Hamadou Diallo uh, is out there. Terrence Davis is out there. Um, PJ Washington. Uh, as you said, Sfi McKaylee. Uh, yes. PJ, PJ's still out there. Yeah. TJ Warren's still out there. Like, T- yeah. You know, so. you know, it was crazy. You know who got a deal this last year? Garrett Temple got a deal from just this last week from Toronto. Like Toronto has, all the Bulls players from <laughs> the late 2010s. It's yeah. just so funny. It's like, yeah, yeah that's really going to help them. <laughs> well, no, but it's, it's a guy you're bringing in for veteran leadership is my point. Sure. No, no. I, and I'm just, no, I I'm definitely just think there's Raptors. Yeah. I definitely think there's room for one more uh, kind of veteran voice on the Cavs. Um, somebody play that Ed Davis role with the Cavs. Um, sure. But I'd rather a guy with talent that can actually contribute, you know? Yeah. I mean, I just think, you know, 13, like even 14 players was, it was kind of, it was honestly because you were carrying Windler for no reason the whole year. Um, and, uh, and did they carry 14 most of the year last year too? I think they did. Yeah. Okay, so I mean, I mean Diakite played a lot of that. I mean, they brought in guys for ten days, uh, ten day contracts. Um, Diakite was a two way player. Did they bring in another one too, or was it mainly just Diakite? No, they had some guys on ten days last year. Not as many as the year before, where they had like Brandon Goodwin and and that. But yeah, right. And I think Danny Green may have gotten that 15th roster spot, but then they traded, then they let Kevin Love off. And that's why, yeah, they did go 14 because we were all a little bit baffled that Diakite didn't make the playoff roster, that they didn't convert him to an NBA contract and put him on the playoffs. So, Yeah, I mean, I think – what we can safely say is that carrying 14 is just like very, it makes you fit for the regular season. You know, I don't, I don't think it's as much the regular season as it used to be because they have these two way guys and now they have three of them. Yeah. Um, But I, it definitely in the playoffs. Yeah. That would require JB actually playing them. So, I mean, I think, (laughs) I mean, the one guy I'm thinking of is that should have gotten more playing time in retrospect was uh, the brother Mobley, you know, Isaiah Mobley. Um, 
I, I think there's a case to be made for Sam Merrill, given what we saw in summer. Exactly. No, I agree. Exactly. <laughs> Speaking of summer league, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, but yeah. No, I'm with you. I mean, I, yeah. I and I don't want to get. No, we'll get to summer league. I, I think the other yeah. thing I, I was there anybody else out there? I, I of course don't have a list in front of me, but you just wrote I mean, down there, a, there's a really good list there, of names. Yeah, there's, there's at least half dozen names that Javante Green, another name. Yeah, how is he not signed? Well, supposedly there's something about medicals. Um, so that's yeah, but he and, still played last year. I know. And still, yeah, and he was great. So I don't. And know. and to me, that's kind of the perfect guy—a guy who is a veteran, but can also give you something. Yeah. You know, um, Derek Jones Jr. is another guy we've talked about that actually has yeah. uh, the link to play the three. Even though he's six five, he plays really long and he's super athletic. Yeah, um, Justice Winslow is still out there. I I think that'd be a great you know flyer for them to take. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you want to go down the Kevin Knox road, but he's no, I, I, I don't think Kevin Knox. I think that ship has sailed. <laughs> you know, yeah, he's only twenty three, so that's insane to yeah. me. Yeah, I think he's a guy that's going to have to prove it and kind of make his way back through the yeah. G League, but you yeah, never absolutely. know. I or know. overseas, I think his ultimate like he's just going to end up like a fringe role player. I think is probably yeah. The ceiling. Um, but you, you know, it's a lottery ticket still at this point. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, you know, I mean, I listed like six guys. So, I mean, there's plenty of guys out there. I think that could fulfill that. It's just, I don't know, like, are they actually going to do it? You know? Or yeah. Is, and, or do you think there's any merit to the idea that they're saving it for possible trades? I, I think there is some merit to that. I mean, that gets to the other thing I was going to talk about was that the old Pelicans rumor resurfaced um, <laughs> of uh, uh, Jared, Jared Allen, Allen right. to the Pelicans for Jonas Valanciunas and or or and Trey Murphy or Herb Jones. I, my problem with that deal, oh well, and the other people now, everybody wants, oh, send Larry Nance back to the Cavs. Um, I'm not wild about. Jonas Valanciunas and Larry Nance Jr. because Jonas Valanciunas is washed and Larry Nance Jr. doesn't can't stay healthy for more than like forty five percent of your games. So you, you the ability to be on the floor is key, and I'm not a hundred percent sure Larry Nance wants to be back here. If if I'm being honest with you, like he asked out the first time, and I think it was a mix of playing time and not getting along with some of the guys on the team like Colin Sexton, but uh, would he want to come back? I don't know. Yeah. Um, no, I hear what you're saying that, I mean, it would have to be, I mean, that kind of deal uh, is predicated on the, how many picks you can recoup in my opinion to make future moves. Yeah. Well, how many picks, what do you think? Two firsts? Yeah. I, I think you would need at least two firsts. Two, yeah, two non-lottery firsts would probably be... Or a lottery and a non-lottery. Yeah, because the, the Pelicans have so damn many picks. That's true. No, You, you know, they pay. still have all those damn Lakers yeah. picks and swaps. Yeah, you got yeah, to make them pay. So You got to Tim Misney their asses. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Oh, yeah. 
Anyway. <laughs> no, that was good. That was awesome. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, they're I just... the Cleveland shout-out. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the billboards are still everywhere. That's you know, That's I, I still make it back. I've been making it back once a month this summer, so oh, nice. I'm, I'm a world traveler. In fact, I'll be there next weekend. So, ooh, ooh, there, you go. there you go. Yeah, but it's uh, it's definitely um, there's definitely guys out there that could help. I don't, you know, I've been on record as saying JV is not the guy, but if you could maybe do it for Nurkic, I'd do it. Or um, you got to get somebody who's got a little fresher legs than Jonas Valanciunas. I mean, literally, that guy was in the same draft as Tristan Thompson, who's been completely washed for the last four years. So, um, how old is Valanciunas? He's like 33, I think. He's only 31. Oh, is he 31? Yeah. yeah. But I mean, he's, he's got a lot of minutes that it's yeah. a high usage 31. And if you look at his, uh, like I posted his Raptor, aging curve the other day and it is getting to the wrong side of the uh plus minus line uh with age and i just don't see him i mean he's a guy that can grab your rebounds hit an occasional open three he sets fantastic screens but and he's a good finisher he's actually an elite he's an elite rebounder oh absolutely especially on the defensive end but he's not um a guy that if you're playing a stretch matchup against him, he's at a big disadvantage because he does not want to stray from the paint. Sure. He's, I mean, he's a, well, he'd be like a specialist essentially. Like he'd be a guy that would have been helpful probably against the Knicks. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. I mean, you put him in against Mitch Robinson and uh, you keep him off the boards and you shoot, shoot open jump shots. I mean, that's a perfect matchup for him. Yep. But you put him against a team like Boston when they're oh, playing yeah. Al Horford at the five, and he's going to get roasted. Yep. You know, or I'm trying, or Bam. Bam's way too athletic for him to deal with. Oh, sure. No, I agree. You know, he's a specialist. Yeah. Yeah. And you've got to, you've kind of got to look at, and that's the one thing you can say about, you know, you can complain about Jared Allen, but when he's playing well, he can defend anybody in the league. Like he can switch on guards. He's super long. He's a super good defender. His analytics are off the charts uh, defensively, and he's a very good offensive player uh, for what he does. Now, do we all wish he was more polished? Absolutely. Do we wish he would add some facets to his offensive game and bulk up, you know, body wise? Yes, but he is what he is at this point, and that's a very good, very mobile bit. So. Anyway, we will be right back, and uh, we're going to talk a little Cavs Summer League. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Cavs Podcast. Nate Smith, Chris Francis, and we all owe you a little bit of an apology. We did not kind of have our Summer League wrap-up, so this is this is going to stand in for that. I know we all had uh, – you had work. I had travel uh, right after that Summer League wrapped. I was in Alaska for the final, it was an absolute blast. I mean, what a treat summer league was, right? I mean, like that just kind of came from out of nowhere, right? Yeah, I mean, the Cavs just barnstormed through there. 
Absolutely. It was just uh, like a machine, you know, honestly. It yeah. was impressive. It was, it was uh, a credit to the coach, whoever the coach was. I have no, I don't even have a clue who it was, but the discipline. I, I don't either. It wasn't, it wasn't JB. I know that. <laughs> well, I mean, they played disciplined. Everybody knew their role. They played it to perfection. They played together. I mean, it was, um, they didn't play for their own stats. You know, they played to win as a team. And uh, it was, um, and, and the stats showed like you know, a lot of guys played some really good basketball. And, you know, it was, it was fun to watch. So the head, the summer league coach was John Brogammer. B-R-O-G-H-A-M-E-R um, from Northern Iowa, uh, Cavs player development coach. Um, he was great, as you said. Um, and, I, and I just kind of want to – well, first of all, the final game was a blast. Um, who was the final opponent? It was uh, New Jersey, right? Was it? Uh, or uh, Brooklyn. It was Brooklyn. It was either Brooklyn or I thought it might have been the uh, – No, it was Rockets. Houston. Yeah, yeah, and I will say the Rockets were resting some guys in the final. I don't think Tari Eason played. I don't think um, Jabari oh, Smith did not play. Jabari Smith did not play after an outstanding summer league for both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Cavs took care of business, and it's it's not the players you don't play; it's the players you play that you worry about. So. Um, fantastic game it was super fun because i think amoni bates made second team and uh sam merrill made first team all summer league and of course uh uh isaiah mobley didn't make either of the all summer league teams and took it personally and went out and won the uh final mvp game mm-hmm. um and that was a blast too so I, it was just an all around super fun. It, it was a treat. Like I think, especially the way that the Cavs exited the regular season, I don't think any of us were prepared to kind of ha- for kind of how fun that two weeks in Vegas was for the Cavs. I mean, did you see it any other way? Like it was just like an unexpected, just fun time. Yeah, I don't. I mean. I... I, I think it was just um, to me. I was intrigued to watch from Monty Bates. You know, yeah. There was a that was the um, it was a it was a home run uh, swing by Kobe Altman, and that was I was extremely curious. Um, I was very suspect of it, and but the one thing I saw as soon as like I saw the film on him was the release on the shot <laughs> is. You know, I, I said, well, and the other thing is I said, I've seen three guys that size that have that quick of a release on their jump shot. One is Kevin Durant, one is Davis Bertans, and the other one's Amoni Bates. Um, and so that's pretty much runs the gamut of NBA player quality between Bertans and Durant. And if Bates can be somewhere in the middle there, that's a lot. You know, but Bates has a little more to his game than just the shot. He can put it on the floor a little bit. He definitely gets lost in the in-between game. Um, That isn't there yet, but everything I saw was this is a guy with a bona fide NBA skill to go with NBA size that 
is very hard to duplicate. And I give Kobe his props. Like it would have been hard. It's just seeing that even though he's, you know, all his measurables from an athlete standpoint were not great, but seeing him play, you go, I can understand why there's no, like there's no higher upside guy that could have got there. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he, he shows facets of a complete game. It's just that it's inconsistent. He doesn't really put it all together all the time, all at once. But um, he showed a little bit of everything. Like he showed a little bit of defense. He showed a little bit of passing. He showed, he showed some scoring and shooting. So he has a complete game and a complete skill set. It's just a question of his mentality basically towards the game and how the coaches can harness, um, you know, can, can they coach him up basically, you know? And, really, and the one, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just saying that it's really on the coaches to, to unlock that mentality out of him, you know, and keep him engaged uh, on, about basketball, you know, and we're going to see, because if he can do that, I mean, the the sky's the limit. Like he can, he, I know the, I know one fact about Amani Bates is that he's never going to pass up an open three. <laughs> hey, he and the Cavs never, have too many guys that do that. Exactly. We, he will never pass up an open three. He's going to hit that. He's going to take that shot and he, he and he's always going to believe that he's going to make that shot. Absolutely. And the other thing that I'll, I will say about, you know, what I saw from him that really impressed me was that his game matured from literally game to game in the summer league. Like he looked completely raw, completely running around like a chicken with his head cut, a raving rabid um, in his first game. And every game he got more polished. He got better. Like it was, it was striking how much he matured in two weeks. Um, if you watched all the games, and you don't see that from a lot of guys in summer league, and, and that's a testament to kind of the way the Cavs ran their summer league too. I'll say. So. Yeah, I mean, they kept everybody had a clearly defined role. I think the role that they wanted Amani Bates to play was shoot open jumpers and try not to yeah. do too much beyond that, and, and defend. Yeah, and defense. you know, help on defense. Don't turn the ball over. Yep. yep. I mean, he, he was impressive. And, yeah, and when they need a bucket down in the shot clock, go get it. You know. Yeah. And that was. He stuck to the things he was good at, and he he eliminated a lot of the bad plays. Like if you look at the stats, he he, he couldn't really make any plays with the pass. But I mean, twelve percent twelve percent turnover. No, he was a decent he. Well, yeah, you're right. His yeah. turnover rate wasn't great. Well, I mean, I think it was good for a 19-year-old in his first quasi-NBA yeah. action is what I think it is. It's not yeah. It's not perfect, but he kind of showed an ability to make good decisions on offense. No, and he had some great passes, too. Yeah, like He did. Um, he didn't make the best pass every time. Right. And he didn't always execute, but the vision was there a lot of the time. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, and which you saw especially uh, mature, I think, over the course was just his, his ability to get his own shot, essentially. 
his, yeah. his true shooting shot up after the last game to 59% um, true shooting, which is excellent efficiency, especially for a volume shooter. Yeah. And and we can talk a little bit more about his game. I, I think I talked about it in the write-up I did, but his his passing after he got for, past the first wave of defenders was really good. Like, I love that he didn't force the mid-range jumper. He hit the bigs. Um, or he got to the basket. And I think that's going to be the key to him being a really good player because his in-between touch is not there. Like He just throws a really ugly float. He might have the ugliest floater I've seen in a long time. Uh, he looks like a, a spastic uh, Anton Jameson when he throws that floater up there. Yeah, I mean, but well, other that, than that's that, why, that's why I would disagree with you that that he needs to eliminate the. He actually needs to increase his mid range volume, and he needs to cut out the. What he tended to do was try in his efforts to get to the rim. He made bad decisions and usually turned the ball over. Yeah, well, he I he didn't have the athleticism to finish oversize at times. No, and I think a lot of that is time in the weight room for him. Sure. Exactly. I mean, like that, and and just uh, yeah, in learning the angles and stuff like that. But I think he has such a good touch on his shot that he needs to he needs to have confidence in it that he can shoot that shot anywhere on the court and make it. And I think that's what's going. But I just want to see the J and not the floater. This is exactly no, exactly. I totally one hundred percent agree. He needs to just pull up at the. He needs to pull up at the elbow and take that yeah. shot instead of dribble into a defender and turn it over. Yeah, so, for sure. Uh, you know, so I, uh, but you know, the, what, what that, in order to be successful at that kind of game plan, he has to get better at knowing what's a good shot. So, right. Well, and you saw the progression as the exact series went on. So the one, so I think the caveat with this question what are the odds and just put them, you know, out of a hundred, give me a percentage that he makes meaningful contributions to the Cavs um, regular season team this year. Um, I'll say 10%. Yeah. I'm, I'm right there with you. Like 12%. I think That's he is 100% a long-term process project. Um, and that he will, the, the Cavs are very much going to treat him the way they treated Isaiah Mobley last year is this is a total development year. Don't expect to play in Cleveland in for the Cavs, if at all, you know, and I think the only way he gets on the, uh, yeah, I totally agree. I think the only way he gets on the court is if a is a disaster and there's some injury or he looks so incredible that they are forced to play him like and if that's the case then hallelujah (laughs) but (laughs) but it's hard to make those kind of takeaways from summer league because you know we saw this Cavs summer league team dominate their opponents but in some ways they very much should have you see a guy like sam merrill who's 27 um absolute knockdown shooter in summer league i mean his percentages were fantastic. He shot 11 threes a game and made 45% of them um, in 28 minutes a night. I mean, that's what you wanted to see from him. Yeah. Right. I think, well, I think he showed 
I think he actually showed a bit more than just his shooting. His shooting was amazing, obviously. Like yeah, sixty eight percent true shooting for the yeah. for the summer. That's incredible. I think, and then a three to one assist to turnover ratio. Yeah, that's where I'm going. Is that what sticks out to me is that the, he had a assist rate of fifteen percent with a turnover rate of six percent. And he was asked to be like a secondary. Uh, he was asked to play point. He was a secondary his... playmaker. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. They and put him in pick and roll. Yep, they did. And uh, he was able to make good decisions um, and make some plays for other guys. Uh, the offensive rating for the Cavs over the summer league um, over his summer league minutes was one thirty six point four, which is obviously insane. So what what was the uh, net rating? Plus thirty. In yeah, Sam I mean, those minutes. Yeah, yeah, he was just they, he was amazing. And the other side of that is he should be. He's 27 years old now. Let's do it against the guys that matter. You know, I want to see him get an opportunity to get real minutes. Um, and if he's killing it, you know, you you give him those minutes. I mean, maybe Sam Merrill keeps killing it, and you give him the minutes that maybe you were thinking about Ricky Rubio getting. So, yeah. yeah, we'll see. I, mean, I, I, I think the summer that he had, he deserves a shot in the, he deserves a shot among the backups. For sure. And I think the other thing that you're going to see from the Cavs this year, just given their roster, you're going to see a lot of three guard lineups um, because they don't have long threes on that team. Yeah. Um, they just don't have, them. I mean, the, Moni Bates is their longest three, and he's he, he, he's a kite in the wind. <laughs> so, yeah. the, well, he's likely on a two way, right? I mean, if they keep, him, he is on a two way. Yeah. Okay. So but I mean, they're absolutely going to keep him. Uh, okay. I don't. I they. Everything I've read says he is a long term prospect for the Cavs, and I got to think of the way he played in summer league. They're absolutely thrilled. Um, I mean, he was he played better than a lot of rookies there at summer. Yeah, there was only a handful of rookies that actually looked better than a Yeah, well, and and it's as you said, they gave him a role, and he went out and performed the role they gave him. Um, But I mean, he did other stuff. He rebounded. That was I mean, he had six boards a game, Mm -hmm. which um, you know he's six nine. He should rebound, but he was a willing rebounder i mean he went after the ball i mean there's a lot of rebound opportunities in summer league and he went and got him so yeah stock rate of uh <laughs> he had a 2.6 block rate 1.3 uh percent steal rate so he, he he made some plays on defense yeah uh, no i think sorry go ahead no and the net rating it was a plus nine so he played winning basketball for a 19-year-old in his first action. I actually the one of the things defensively that really impressed me was his defensive awareness. Um he has a very quick twitch motor and he changes directions really quickly, especially defensively, and he got a lot of steals just by making the right read and breaking off his coverage and going and getting the ball. And he's very quick. Uh I, he's He's not fast, but he definitely is going to get more steals than you think he would get for a guy that, you know, quote unquote, doesn't have a great wingspan. Um, yeah, so that was really fun. Six, yeah, he's 6'8". So he's a legit 6'8". 
Yeah. So it's nice to have that size. So yeah, at least for sure. Length, and uh, we're going to come back and talk about the rest of the Cavs summer league guys in just a minute. Yeah. And we're back. Uh, Chris Francis was just telling us how effing awesome the summer league was. So. <laughs> Um, and I'm gonna, giddy. yeah, it was giddy. Man. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna talk about um, finals MVP, summer league finals MVP. We talked about Sam Merrill and we talked about Isaiah Mobley. I guess I didn't throw a Sam Merrill percentage. What's the uh, percentage that Sam Merrill uh, makes meaningful contributions to the Cavs, not the charge this year? <laughs> uh, slightly over 10%. I'm I'm gonna say thirty percent. I feel like they're gonna he's gonna get opportunities. He's gonna get opportunities. I think he has to get opportunities. I think they're like. What is the point of having a twenty-seven-year-old on your G League team if they're not playing him? See, the thing is, to me, is the the equation simple here. Is that is he gonna play over Isaac Okoro? No. So that's that's to me why he's never gonna see the floor is because they're so married to the idea of a coro that they'll they'll go and by they you mean jb bickerstaff oh i mean hell i mean i also mean kobe altman he's the one that decides who's on the yeah. roster right so yeah both of them so, that's interesting okay so let's go i think he's gonna get more of a shot than that because i think you have to put shooting on the floor and yeah, I think what is the point of having a 27-year-old player on your roster if you're not going to let him try to earn minutes with your, you know, uh, NBA, with uh, with the rotation guys? Like, what is the point of having that? Like, trade him somewhere then. If you're not going to – if he's just going to be a G League guy, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, is he a triple-A guy who spends his whole career in triple-A? I, I, that's silly to me. But anyway, we're going to move on. <laughs> the next guy that I want to talk about, finals MVP, Isaiah Mobley. Monster finals, as we noted, against kind of Houston's B squad. But uh, he had a 28-point, 11-rebound, 4-stock, 3-assist, plus 20 finals game. And whenever the Cavs needed a bucket, they sent the ball into him in the post and he made smart plays. Uh, he played a lot of the elbow, played a lot initiating the offense. He kind of played that. Uh, he brought the ball up a lot. He kind of played the Draymond green role a lot. And I think we're all kind of hoping what we saw from Isaiah Mobley is what we're going to see from Evan Mobley in the regular season. Am I right? I mean, if, if Evan Mobley posts the same assist great as Isaiah Mobley did this summer league, then we have our Draymond Green. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> yeah. And I thought Mobley was great. He was everything they asked him to be. Um, the question to me will be when he's playing more athletic guys, can he hold his own? And he got a lot done with smarts. And he's going to have to use those every moment because he's not as athletic as the guys he's going to be going against. So he's got to get in the weight room, get stronger, and play smart. But I didn't see anything that said, hey, Isaiah Mobley can't contribute to the Cavs in the regular season. Did you? I mean, I 
I began this conversation by saying, or at least the podcast by saying he deserved minutes last year. He played well enough last year on the regular team to earn some minutes in the same fashion that Diakite did earlier in the year. But they, well, I mean, for whatever he, the reason they didn't give him the minutes, and it's hard to be worse than Rolo was at times exactly. last year. Hey, oh my God! Thank you, thank you. Exactly. So, um, the question to me about, uh, yeah, I mean, Isaiah, the the I think if there was a blemish to the resume of this summer is that the shooting really, you know, that you hope would be there isn't there, um, and the rebounding it was okay, you know, it wasn't um, it wasn't good enough. I'll say that it's probably not good enough, um, especially in that setting. Uh, yeah. So um, there's holes in the game still, but I mean, twenty five percent twenty five percent assist ratio, uh, and the seven or you know five percent block rate. You know, the stocks um, were impressive. Yeah, the stocks were impressive. Yes, exactly. So and and he did have a kind of a high stock rate, but it's summer league or foul rate. I mean, but it's summer league. Yeah. So yeah. you live so, with that. And yeah, I mean, his defense was incredible and his passing was incredible. Um, so I think those. And just kind it. of his leadership when he was on the floor. Mm-hmm. Like he was the offensive and defensive coordinator a lot. He on, yeah, he was unselfish. You know, yeah. He, he, well, he, and putting guys in the right spots, calling out coverages, all that kind of stuff. You need to hear him on the broadcast. Yeah. No, I mean, he's a smart player. So. Um, yeah. I think and I will. Sorry, I'm looking at you know. I'm looking at Sam Merrill. If you ask to me who who can contribute, it's basically only Sam Merrill and Isaiah Mobley. You know, those are the those are the two guys that obviously impressed to the point where they have a chance. They have a yeah. chance to play. Yeah, and I will say um, the other thing that impressed me about Mobley, he did not shoot well, but he took open shots. And he hit a couple big ones late against um, He's clutch. in the uh, Brooklyn game and the game before that as well. So I, you know, give him his props for that. You know, he might have just had a bad shooting week. Um, it exactly. happens. Yeah. No, you exactly. know, um, keep, keep firing away. The worst thing you can do is stop shooting. No, so. exactly. No, I mean, he was a he was a genius on the floor for the, for the summer league Cavs. Like they yep. would not have they would not have gone undefeated, and much less or anything. They would have no success with that Isaiah Mobley's presence this summer. So, um, hopefully, it's a springboard. I think it should be a springboard to comp- you know competitive minutes. You know, I, I think for sure. He, I think he's. I'd rather I don't I honestly rather see Isaiah Mobley out there than Damian Jones. Well, here's the real question: Would you rather see Isaiah Mobley or Christian Wood? Oh, well, yeah, come on, man. <laughs> come on. Well, because that, that's dude. the dis- debate. Like, no, if right. the you're Cavs right. are going to, so there's some talk that one of the things the Cavs may want to do is promote either Merrill or Mobley up to the regular season roster and put, um, well, they already have for Merrill. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. He's on the regular season roster. So that's right. The question, um, is, do they do it for mobile? Yeah, so, that, that is the question. And I it mean, kind of, um, goes back to who the other guys are, uh, on the Cavs. So we'll get to them and, and come back. Uh, Sharif Cooper. I think we all agree. Nice player. 
I would say that injury really hurt him from the Cavs kind of I, – I don't think he was ever in their long-term plans, at least for the regular season roster. Had a fantastic four games, and then him getting hurt really, really kind of hurt him. But the guy can absolutely score. I just don't know if he's going to find his way to the leagues – to the league other than, like, third guard off the bench. Because of his size. Yeah. No, I mean, the size uh, is definitely a problem. And he's a score for small point guard, and that's tough. That's what I was going to say is that if he's ever going to see the floor, it's he's going to have to make a leap in his playmaking and his shooting. That's the way he's going to he, – Yeah. And, and honestly, he actually shot the ball pretty well and passed the ball pretty well um, yeah. this summer. Um, it was just like you said. The, I mean, he really got screwed by the injury because he needed to show that the whole summer, not just yeah. a few games. So, and then the guy who was the beneficiary of that injury uh, definitely intrigued a lot of guys around the NBA. And I think if he does not make one of the Cavs two ways, um, I think you could definitely see him end up on a two way with another team, and that is uh, Craig Porter Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, who looked like a really good all-around player? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think he. I think you can make the argument that he probably outplayed. It's interesting because he didn't out. He wasn't the scorer that Sharif Cooper was, but he did everything else better. I mean, you can't argue with it, and the numbers he put up in summer league exactly mirrored the numbers that he put up for Wichita state when that he's a do it all guy blocks, steals, rebounds, assists. I mean, he put up uh, seven rebounds a game for a six, one garden. He's super athletic. And, you know, even, you know, national guys were calling him out. Like um, John Hollinger is like, how did everybody miss on this guy? Like he put up ridiculous stat lines at Wichita state and the Cavs kind of got a gem here. And he's super athletic. I think he has a great potential to make the NBA with his athleticism, his ability to defend. Um, It will come down to the shot. He didn't shoot great in summer league, but he didn't take a ton of shots and he hit some big ones. Um, I, I think absolutely he probably will end up in one of those two way contracts for the Cavs and I think they got a gem. I, I can't wait to see what he turns into. He kind of reminds me of um, – I'm trying to think of a player comp. but I, Honestly, the one is Rubio. <sighs> yeah, maybe a little bit, but he's more athletic than – he's more he's vertically funny. athletic than Rubio was when sure. he came in the league. I'd also say he's not as good defensively as Rubio either. Well, no. Rubio was a freaking genius defensively. Um, yeah. When he came in the league, yeah. I mean, he was he played the the redeem team and was awesome against them as a what eighteen year old. <laughs> so oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, Rubio is in a class by himself in terms of you know defensive awareness, but I really like Porter. Um, I, yeah, I'm I mean, I in, think he was the I think he was the surprise of the summer for sure. Like, yeah, um, there you know, and honestly. The hype that Luke, the Luke Travers fan brigade online or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I knew we were going to get to that. Yeah, all the hype with it. I mean, it should go to Craig Porter Jr. You know, that's yeah. who people should be. If there was a guy like that you saw that was like that lunch pail guy, impact guy, 
you know, kind of do it all player. It was Craig Porter Jr. You know, he, yeah. he and he was the one that was playing point. The, the most impressive thing to me about him was his passing. Oh yeah, no, he was very heady. And yeah. the other thing that was super impressive to me was when the team needed a bucket and they took away his passing options, he went right into that mid range game yeah. uh, or put that floater up, and it was very effective. Yeah, he, he, he's at least putting up a shot. Well, he, and and they were he's a polished player that knows where the shot's going to be open and took it and made it, you know. Um, and I I think the other guy that uh, we will get back to Luke Travers. I think we're going to save him for last. Um, the other guy that impressed me that I kind of hope the Cavs can hang on to him because I saw enough, at least until the last game, I thought he kind of got outclassed the last game, but Pete Nance had a lot of really good minutes in that, uh, summer league shot 43% from three on, you know, two and a half shots a game in 20 minutes, which was good. Uh, rebounded. Okay. Uh, had good stock rates, uh, fouled a lot, which you do in summer league. But I, I was impressed with his athleticism, his running the floor, his shooting, like he has a real unorthodox jump shot, but it goes in. It has a high release, nice rotation. The form looks ugly, but if you watch everything but the form, it looks good. <laughs> so what do you think of Pete Nance? Um, I think the rebounding was awful. I mean, nine points. That's fair. Is not like, especially I think his position, if, if you were projecting Pete Nance's position, I think in the NBA, it'd be like the five. I think he's a five. Yeah. He's a four or five for sure. Yeah. And so, um, the defense was fantastic. The shot was intriguing. Like he made, he, I agree with you. He made enough, but the, just the inability to rebound and, and play tough. And, and also, like you said, the fouls, I think was a product yeah. of, of, of lacking physicality. Um, yeah. you know, so, uh, I don't know. I mean, he, he's intrigued. I would definitely say that he showed something. He definitely yeah. showed something. It's, he's intriguing. I agree with you. Like the last game kind of did him no favors. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, uh, uh, you know, I think he's a guy that you want to see if he can, you know, put on some weight. Now there's a guy that you want to see put on some weight. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's built very similarly to his brother, but his brother bulked up muscle wise. Yep. Yep. Um, I think the other thing about, so I believe he's on a prop 10, which means I think he will be on the uh, Cavs training camp roster. Okay. Um my guess is the Cavs try and get him to the charge. Um, and unless another team picks him up, that'd probably be what happens. Uh, and I think he needs to go develop for another yeah. year. Like he, he's a weird, he was a fifth year senior. He did his graduate year at uh, North Carolina um, and didn't have the season he wanted to have. I mean, you look at his nobody on that, nobody on that yeah. Carolina. That 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 was one of the biggest flop surprise flops of the of the yeah. college or college basketball season. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, I think the odds he makes and he gives anything to the regular season team are about zero point one. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> but um, the guy. 
and and we didn't talk about the odds. I I'd put Craig Porter's odds at about five percent. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and if Craig Porter Jr. is helping the Cavs this year, the season has gone off the rails. <laughs> and then, then we, we're all going to be pulling our hair out in February. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, I mean, is Craig Porter Jr. that far off from playoff Rubio? Um, no, I will just say the Cavs have so many guards that should be ahead of him on the depth chart that if he's actually playing rotation minutes in the regular season, they probably had a buttload of injuries. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sure. Either that or he's just absolutely lit it up and been the second coming in training camp and early in the season. But I just don't see that no, happening. No, no. I mean, it, just like you said at the beginning of the CPJ, mm-hmm. uh, conversation like it's eerie how his statistical profile matched exactly what he did in college oh yeah no it was crazy (laughs) i mean he shot better that was about it but yeah he just is kind of he's almost and he's almost like a mini westbrook in just that very athletic you know strong short body um Yeah. Uh, not not quite as much of a kamikaze bullet as Westbrook always was, but, you know, very, very heady. Um, and then the other guy I wanted to talk about was uh, the Cavs uh, second round pick from the previous draft, the 2022 draft, Khalifa da- Jop. Um, I didn't see anything other from Khalifa Jop other than being a really big body. Um, and being a good rebounder for his size. I mean, the dude's what, seven, two, he, he should be a good rebounder. He's enormous, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He's enormous, but I don't know if there's anything else there. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, what tells a tale about him is his turnovers. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, his, his hands were not good. Yeah. So like until he can figure out like how to take care of the ball. Um, yeah better um it, it what i mean what that speaks to is just he's probably just raw in the game you know he's yeah. probably um a guy who picked up the game late and you know just because he's tall you know is trying to figure it out or whatever um and he and i get why they like actually he performed pretty surprisingly well statistically no he, he played his role well and he looked like a man among boys out there yeah, um, but just the turnovers is not it's not even yeah. close to NBA ready. So No, no. He he's gotta polish his game. He's got an NBA body, but he doesn't have an NBA game. Yep. Um and maybe seasons for another year or two over there. He's twenty one. Twenty one. Okay. Yeah. So he's got a couple of years maybe before Yeah. Really and will. yeah, I mean I I think the chances he contribute well, they've already said he's not gonna be on the roster this year so that's effectively zero and another guy who won't be on the roster who you and i have very different opinions on um (laughs) who you just it it just rankled you to no end the love that luke travers got yeah i'm Uh, just baffled like i don't know what people see you know quite literally like he was bad Uh, i didn't think that i mean look at his block rate yeah, but he did. That's not what his role was. I mean, looking at his role, they he played the three, so they wanted him to take spot up shots. Didn't particularly do that well. 
Um, and he was put in a playmaker role and he has double the turnover rate that he did assist rate. So, um, he wasn't making good decisions out there. So yeah, offensively, I think offensively, def- yeah, offensively, yeah. he no, offensively, was fine. Yeah. very He's, good. Yeah. He can play on the on the defensive end, but and I and I, and so I think that's on, he's so far off on the offensive end that is just it negates anything that he can really bring on the defensive end. Essentially, well, um, you and I disagree. Um, I will say defensively, very impressive. Um, you know, two blocks a game in twenty seven minutes, six boards. Um, you know, a decent steal rate. Uh, Offensively, he didn't do a lot well other than uh, cut to the basket, and that was impressive. He wasn't even that good in transition. I saw him really not run his lanes wide enough a couple times. Um, He wasn't fantastic in transition, but the thing that intrigues me about him is his defense was good enough, and his athleticism was there. Like He had his head at the rim on some of those blocks. Um, and that was what was impressive to me. I think he's going to be playing in a real league this year, just like he was last year. Uh, yeah, Simo. Simo says he's going to go lock himself in the gym for the next year and get better at basketball. Like he's totally removing all distractions. He's going to go into monastic basketball mode. And the NBL is a very good league. It is on par with Euro League. It is probably better than the G League in terms of quality of opponents and quality of players because a lot of the ex-NBA guys end up in the NBL and he'll be playing against real NBA quality players. Um, And I think that'll bode well for him. And he's got to polish that offensive game. And if you can do that, I mean, he can be, here's what I will say as a prospect, Luke Travers is what we had hoped uh, Isaac Okoro was when the Cavs drafted him. So there, there's some fire. There's a fiery take. Wow. <laughs> I don't even know. What, did this oh occurred. my god! You, you, you just calling me out. You, you. Well, no, it's hilarious. That was fantastic because you began like by being the cult leader, the cult leader of the cult of Travers. At the at the first, but then you ended it by comparing him to the flop of a fifth pick. <laughs> oh, I, I don't think Okoro's a flop yet. Oh God! Oh my God! You're holding out hope. I'm holding out. You got to hold on hope. He's still only 21 years old. He's older than that. He's he's, he's not he's not 21 anymore. I don't think. Hot googling action. It's 22. He's 22, but he's a young 22. <laughs> This is his fifth year in the league, isn't it? Yeah. It'll be his fifth. No, it's his fourth year. Fourth year. Okay. Yeah. No, he's turning the corner this year. This is his uh, Jimmy Butler breakout This year. is his age 23 season. So he's going He's going to be age 23 this season. Yeah, it's make or break. <laughs> uh, you, just, you just have nothing to say. You're just going to let the bullshit yarn I spun. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Fall on its own. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, because you know, I'm dealing with zealots here, so <laughs> clearly, and uh, there's no rational explanation I can give, you know, <laughs> that would convince anyone. But so I'll just have to let the play speak for itself. 
Well, I there you go. I think the fact he's not on a two-way this year probably says something. So Who, Travers? Yeah. No, they want to seize him another year in the NBA. So, I mean, he's a stash guy. So, anyway. No, you're absolutely right. I loved his defense. He was fantastic on defense. So, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll give him that. that. You're absolutely right about that. But, um, no, he's just so far off offensively. He, he's, he's as lost as Diop is. So. Oh, no way. Yeah. Give me a break. Okay. When we come back, we will no longer be talking about Summer League, <laughs> but we will be talking about one Donovan Mitchell. Welcome back to Cavs the Podcast. Actually, it's Luke Travers the Podcast now. We... <laughs> G'day, mates. We're talking Luke Travers. Let's throw another. Oh, my God. Simo is probably just throwing uh, his uh, shit. He's probably <laughs> just throwing his uh, phone in the in the backwards flushing toilet south of the equator so. no you know actually i thought it wasn't half bad i actually thought that what would be funny is if he heard you like if he like like you just gave him a flashback of like oh did i just turn on my radio oh geez okay <laughs> it's, it's getting a little bit wow that was about as compelling as my tale of luke travers and isaac caforo okay anyway um donovan mitchell uh, has been the other big name in the Cavs, um, I guess, media circus, even though there's really, they only have like two beat reporters. Um, <laughs> I mean, they do. It's Chris Fedor and Evan Damrell, and Damrell's independent. So, wow. <laughs> and Danny Cunningham got fired, or not fired, laid off, I don't know, last week. And then the. Uh, the Athletic laid off their beat reporters. So, yeah, there's really not anyone covering the Cavs beat on a regular basis except Fedor, which is pretty sad, Yeah, if yeah, you ask I mean, me. Yeah, I mean, um, it's especially unfortunate because this is a team on the rise. Yeah. You know, like they should be like getting more coverage, more eyeballs. Maybe they know something we don't know. Tell me about what's going on with Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> Well, I mean, uh, so I guess there was a podcast with Brian Windhorst, um, Tim Bontemps, I think, and yep. um, there was another gentleman. I don't, I don't remember the name, or maybe it was a, a, a um, but it was a podcast. <laughs> a female where, lady. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, Sorry, you're stuttering. I should not make fun of you. No, no. So, exactly. Well, what I was going to say is that female sounded too clinical. So I just had to change it mid midstream, mid consciousness. So, but no, anyway, like the, apparently on this podcast, it made the rounds and it made, it blew up. It went viral on social media and it was the rumor that uh, Donovan Mitchell will not sign uh, an extension. And, um, he will test uh, free agency um, when uh, when the time comes in the next two years. I mean, he has a decision to make in two years. Um, so um, so they were speculating about, or I, I I don't even know how to characterize what they were doing. I mean, basically they were. I mean, it was just it was just stirring the pot, essentially, uh, wondering where he might go next. Well, and I think uh, Bon Temps tweeted about it as well okay um oh but, i didn't know there was a tweet too what, i believe so i can't okay. remember but basically bond temps you know thought that the organization would be able to get a better return for mitchell this summer than in 2024 
Um, and, and I guess, yeah, what, what <laughs> that was it. Well, um, but when horse feels the pressure point will come next year when he's eligible, because he's not going to sign an extension this year. Um, but next year he could sign what a supermax extension. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So what's your, what's your gut tell you there? I mean, we, I think you were saying off air, I, and I pretty much agree. I think, I don't know if it's wishful thinking, but I mean, my gut instinct is to say it's definitely BS. Like it's just the way the it's clickbait. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the only thing that gives me pause is it was Windhorse saying it. That's a guy who's, it's a guy who's been right about moves, you know, and, and a guy who still is in good favor with the Cavs front office. And, by by all accounts, I've heard like he's never burned those bridges. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know that, and that's intriguing. So, I mean, who do you like? That's the thing is what the question to me is, and I wonder what you think is. Who do you think is feeding Windhorse this information? Oh, well, I I think it's very much catering to the New York news market, um, which invents narratives out of whole cloth. The problem is that sometimes those narratives become reality, um, which was very much the case with Jalen Brunson. Um, but I think the bigger problem um, for the Cavs is not the Knicks. I think the much the team that they should be much more worried about than the Knicks is the Nets. Because I think Mitchell fits on the Nets really well. And the Nets have a lot, like, how long is Spencer Dinwiddie going to play there? Like, the Nets have a lot of good guys. And if there was a player that you could put with Donovan Mitchell, a healthy Ben Simmons might be that guy. You know, they have whoa, a... Whoa, whoa, whoa. We're, we're going back to Ben Simmons now? He's supposed to be healthy. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Oh, I said God. a healthy Ben Simmons. Oh. We're we're a year away from that. And, you know, Ben Simmons is, I believe, extension eligible. Um, it's it's no longer about the contract year now. It's about the extension year. Um, so guys don't just play well in their contract year. They play well in the year before they have one year left on their contract. And Ben Simmons is, you know, gearing up for that and he's yeah, gonna he, he's actually, gearing up for his sign and retire on, contract you're counting on ben simmons when there's you you on a okay on a hope and a prayer oh my okay God. but i mean it's not a better situation ben simmons was the the opening salvo he's the pawn you know you still got <laughs> um <laughs> you just i think now i realize this is just pining for eli the, uh, the ben simmons trick. oh the true <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, you look at that Nets roster. They got Macal Bridges. They have his buddy, uh, Jermaine O'Neal. They've got um, a really. O'Neal. Or not Jermaine O'Neal, Royce O'Neal. God, what am I saying? <laughs> they got Cam Johnson. They've got. Uh, they were a lottery team. They were literally. Yeah, they a were a lottery team because they were tanking. The second they traded, um, were they? Yes, they were taking the they second they traded. You said they were a lottery team, but they I'm were saying after the trade, 
Well, right. That because they were tanking, they didn't want to make the playoffs. They wanted to stink. They need. They were in disarray. They've got Dorian Finney-Smith and Nick Claxton. I think they have a very good collection of players, and I think that one Donovan Mitchell would fit in like a glove there. I think he would be a very good fit for that team. Uh, oh, yeah. A better team, quite frankly, than team. the Cavs. Well, for, for sure, but I don't think he's a fit for the Knicks. I actually think he's a bad fit for the Knicks because – they don't need two short guards uh, that kind of have very similar games. Um, I don't think it'll be a problem there. Oh, I don't think there's – I don't think he fits with the Knicks. I just don't. I think uh, the Nets are a much better fit, but that's just me. And the Nets have – if the Nets were to trade for him, I think they have more assets. Um, so that take that for what you will. Um, yeah, but I that mean, being said, I think there's ever if I'm Donovan Mitchell and I have a chance next summer to sign a deal like Jalen Brown just signed for what did he sign? Three hundred and twenty million, the richest contract in NBA history. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not sure you pass that money up with the fear that you get hurt the next year. You know, how do you how do you pass up? a third of a billion dollars to take a risk to make maybe an extra 50, 60 million the year after. I just, you're not built like LeBron James. You are a small guy. And if you lose your athleticism, you're done. Uh, I I just don't think he walks away from that contract extension next summer. No, I mean, you presented definitely uh, an intriguing, and to me, that's a, a very, I think it's a very great point. I mean, it's, you know, it's hard to turn down. And that's why I think, you know, that's why I tend to think that the, all the rumors were BS is because I think what's really going to, I think if I were in Donovan Mitchell's, speculating Donovan Mitchell's mind, I think he's just basing his decision on the kind of team success they have next year. Yeah. He's now like, that Can I actually win a title with this team is what he's, is what he's pondering in his mind. And well, why wouldn't he be? He's in yeah. his window. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And he's looking to lead a team there, you know. Uh, now, that being said, the new NBA, it doesn't matter if you sign an extension. You can still demand a trade the next year. Sure. Um, sure. Or he can come out next summer and say, trade me because I don't want to be here. I'm not going to sign an extension. Or, you know, do the James Harden <laughs> where he he's like on the team. He opts in, but then he says he wants you to trade him, but nobody wants him. So you're still stuck on that team. Like the NBA's new contract structure like behooves every prima donna to be a bitch. So I mean it it there's and let's hope Donovan Mitchell isn't that guy. Well, I, I don't thought, think he is, but well no, I, I don't think he's that guy. And also I think the new CBA actually did address those issues too. It did and it's happening yeah. worse than ever now. I mean with I Dame I mean, and then happened? James Harden. Yeah, well, the NBA already sent him a very sternly worded letter, Chris. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Did they, <laughs> did they wag their finger at him? Oh, they God. wagged their finger at him. Yeah. <laughs> they I mean, told Miami very sternly happened. not to tamper. Yeah. Well, I mean, exactly. And nothing's happened, right? So um, That's true. So we'll see what happens. But yeah. I, I, anything can happen, but I'm very suspect that Donovan Mitchell turns down generational money. Next summer. Yeah, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. 
the, to me, the question is, I mean, and, and they have the three guys they want to pay right now. I think if I were Kobe Altman, I'm looking at this as like a dynasty that I'm trying to maintain here with, yeah. um, with Mitchell, with Garland and with Evan Mobley. You know, that's what I'm thinking if I'm Kobe Altman is like, this is my dynasty right here. If I can keep this yeah. together for an extended period of time, we're going to have multiple bites at the apple at a championship. See, to me, the problem with that is it depends on how good uh, Evan Mobley is. And I'm a little concerned there. And one of the problems that I have... My my concern is the Cavs don't have any long wings. Um, they don't have anybody that can guard consistently these but guys. Like you know, you said that your concern was with Mobley. Well, so what, he can't what, what shoot. Is, right. There's, so there you go. So that's yeah, the problem. That's the problem, and you're playing him with Jared Allen, who doesn't shoot and is kind of lazy, uh, coasts a lot. I think you either got to get another you're either Mobley moves to the five, which probably is the eventual solution. Well, you got a three, you got a big hole at the three and the four right now, and you have a rebounding problem and you have small guards. That's my concern about the Cavs right now. Um, And I don't, and that's, you know, you and Eli beat it into the ground last time is, the guys that Cavs added in free agency are kind of band-aids in that they address the shooting, but long-term are they guys that can get you to the mountaintop? They're not those multi-threat players who can score on offense and give you something on defense. They're bad defenders. And I don't know what the Cavs do at the three and the four. They still have a problem at the three and the four with defense and rebounding. I mean, Karis Levert aside. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, that's absolutely right. I mean, and the, yeah, the the problem is, is that, well, and that's the whole thing is that <laughs> the most valuable thing, I think, or the rarest thing, I think, in the NBA right now, to, in my mind, to my mind, is a stretch four. It, it is. Is sneakily the hardest thing to find. Like, to me, yeah. like, who, who's the best one right now? To me, it seems like it's kind of like um, – Well, it's LeBron. It's, it's Well, or I was going to say Laurie Markkinen. <laughs> well, okay. He's the best young one for sure. Yeah, right. I mean, to me, I posed a question on – before Tweetless Tuesday um, that uh, would the Cavs be better off if they had just kept Laurie Markkinen and drafted Atari Eason – um, and not had Jonathan Mitchell right now. I mean, it's hard to argue that the Cavs wouldn't be better. Like, all the analytics say that Laurie Markkinen played at the same level as Donovan Mitchell last year. Oh, and yeah, he's the, the 11 place, inches taller. Yeah, but the problem is, is that um, I still think – I don't think the defensive gap between the two is that big, A, and also B, Laurie Markkinen simply not the passer that Donovan Mitchell is. He's not that kind. I'm of not person. sure it matters though, when you have Garland, no, it definitely and Mobley on your team. No, it definitely does. I would say because what we saw, we saw this team with Garland and nobody else. Well, after the other Rubio, side of that after Rubio went down. 
The other side of that argument is that does Laurie Markkinen become the – is he the same player with the Cavs that he was with the Jazz last year? And no, because they, they were siphoning off usage to Jared Allen and Evan Mobley at the yeah. expense of Laurie. Yeah. Well, and I, you are right. He is not the passer, but he was great at everything last year, except no, he's a, he's probably such passer. a good shooter. Yeah, no, he's a yeah. killer shooter. So, yeah. And, and also, he's a smart player in terms of playing within a system. So right, and he's a guy, and he's tall. <laughs> that helps. Yeah, yeah. no, yeah. I mean he's switchable. Yeah, he's a he's a semi switchable four. Well, and he can get a shot over over shot over a lot of guys. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, which yeah, I the, think the Chris Tapps Porzingis move made sense to me. Like every you know, people talk about his health but i mean he's been healthy recently so he's been healthy for one year out of the last four well i mean, <laughs> I, I am just hoping that move blows up fantastically in boston's face oh, sure now i do yeah just because it's boston but i think that was it, to me the it made sense the move made sense it made no it, it makes sense but in a vacuum but i have learned not to count on christoph porzingis for anything <laughs> So anyway, um, I, uh, I just think you, it's interesting. You're anti-Latvian, I see. Uh, no, I'm very pro-Latvian. Um, <laughs> I'm just anti-Porzingis. I'm 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 just watched the zinger the last few years. So <laughs> I'm just giving you shit. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think the Cavs still have a three-four problem. Like they don't have enough shooting and size at in the front court like they have shooting or they have size but they don't have the both they don't have both in the same player and that's the problem right now yeah i mean they just need three and d guys at the three and four they really really don't even need like stars they just need serviceable on both yeah the herb joneses of the world yeah exactly exactly yeah exactly yeah so I don't know. I mean, I still think, you know, getting back to our original point, Donovan Mitchell, I have a hard time thinking he's not going to sign that contract extension if it's put in front of him. Um, it It's one thing issues, to do they run into any issues offering him the Supermax in terms of Mobley and no, they closed that loophole okay. in the new CBA. Yeah. From what I understand. Yeah. Wait, so they're screwed if they wait. So they're not screwed. They're not screwed. They can offer they that loophole no or that uh, restriction no longer exists. Okay, gotcha. Got well, that's fantastic. Well, no, yeah. and that's that's what makes your argument very convincing to me. Is that yeah. if if they're throwing a super max five year three hundred fifty four hundred million dollar contract at like who says no to that? Right. Exactly. Exactly. Now the question becomes. If he's – the only question is is if he's not what they hope next year or he gets hurt, then it's an inter- then it's a much more interesting discussion. Mm-hmm. But if he plays like he did last year, I have a hard time thinking he's not going to get that max deal. Oh, heck yeah. 100%. So, 100%. so anyway. Yeah, I mean he was an all-NBA player last year, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And he's um, – so he's going to hit those. Yeah, he's going to hit. It's just escalators. so much money. Yeah, I know. I mean, I and y- you can bet on yourself if you're a guy that's making 
you know, who's the who's the famous guy that bet on himself recently? Um, Bruce Brown. You know, if you're making Bruce Brown money, sure, you bet on yourself. You go play for Denver instead of taking more money from the Cavs. But um, I I don't think there's very many guys that are going to walk away from a third of a billion dollars. <laughs> you know, I just don't think I just don't see it. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, no, I, mean, I mean, it, it made the Jalen Brown discussion moot, didn't it? Yeah, no, absolutely, <clears throat> absolutely. I mean, uh, it's it's actually hilarious how that ended up because I mean, there is a lot of fans that I talk to, Celtics fans that I talk to, that expected him to be traded. Yeah, or and are they just apoplectic about the signing, or they just? I guess he's going to be back. I mean, they all saw him. They're coping. I think. <laughs> I think the, they're lying to themselves. Yeah, I think actually that the Jalen Brown extension matters less to Celtics fans than losing Marcus Smart. Oh, I think that's 100% true. But also the kind of the way they buffeted the team with the rest of their moves probably helps a lot. Yeah, I mean, that's the, you know, that would be the interesting thing because like there's a, so did they get better with, uh, swapping Porzingis for Smart is the big question. On question. paper, yeah, right. You know, I mean that that's a brutal lineup. You've got that starting lineup. You've got Porzingis, and then at the four, you, you can play him at the four or the five, and then you get Wright or um, oh, Tristan Thompson's kid. Um, ah, what's his name? Horford. Horford. Yeah, Tristan yeah. Thompson's son. <laughs> um, <laughs> then you got him or, uh, right at the, at the four or the five. And then you've got Tatum, be Robert Williams, I think, or that's what I meant. Um, and then you got Tatum and then you've got Brown and you've mm-hmm. got, um, Brun- uh, not Brunson. Who else did they got? Derek White. Derek White's going to start for them. Yep. Derek White, who Nate Smith and Chris Francis victory <laughs> lap on Derek White by the way, who was one of the best players in the uh, playoffs last year when everybody was like, oh, Derek White was terrible in Boston in 2022. Yeah. Anyway. Um, And then they've got uh, who's coming off the bench? Who's the guard that they didn't trade? Uh, They have Peyton Pritchard. They have um, Marcus Brogdon or Malcolm Brogdon. Malcolm Brogdon. Yeah. Brogdon is a very good bench guard. So yeah. they they run deep. They're they're going to be a good they're team. They're going to be up there. Yeah, they're still going to be yeah. up there. Should be up yeah. there. Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah. So that's why they. I mean, that's why the signing didn't bother them as much. But right. I, mean, I think I think uh, they much. What I know is they hate Malcolm Brogdon and they love Marcus Smart, and that's what the trade <laughs> came down to. Well, yeah, and Brogdon failed the physical. Failed so. the physical. Yeah. Yep. Which is interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, when, when Eli's back, we'll we'll probably go through some of the uh, – we'll do team previews or division previews, and the Boston's going to be an interesting one. And there's there's a lot of teams that I think got a lot better, and I'm not sure the Cavs were one of them, and I'm a little concerned there, but we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, I think – I think that's the whole thing is that they're going to internally improve. They're so young. Yeah. So the question is, how much can they improve? Like, see, the problem is, is that they're going to improve, but they need to improve fast enough to make Donovan Mitchell happy. Right. Um, 
Yeah, and you gotta hope that their player development keeps up with uh, with what the with their rotation guys. And it's really interesting. I mean, I think you've seen a lot of talk about NBA teams, quote unquote, getting smarter. Um, and you're seeing that a lot. Like I was just super impressed with the way Denver handled their offseason. Like they pretty much knew Bruce Brown was walking. They couldn't afford him. Hey, let's go get some extra first round picks and go after replacement guys and develop them and keep this thing going. Like I was just super impressed with that. Um, and I think there's a lot of just really smart teams in the NBA uh, that, and it's, it's going to be increasingly harder to compete, I believe, um, as, as you go forward. And, and these teams that are just stockpiling draft picks, like Oklahoma City just, and maybe, and the Spurs a little bit look like they're just set up in about three, four years for a generational run. I mean, don't they? They just look absolutely loaded with guys. Yeah, I mean that's the that's the, that's all the that's Orlando, all the right Houston. Yeah, yeah you know that's all the talk. Uh, I, I wouldn't include Houston in that. I'm well, sure. no, I thought Houston yeah. made some really dumb uh, <laughs> moves this offseason. I thought the uh, the Dylan Brooks signing oh, was just I- idiotic. Oh, man. <laughs> but whatever. Yeah, no, I mean. Karis Levert for half the price. That was yeah, exactly. <laughs> half the price and one tenth the headaches. <laughs> yep, exactly, exactly. So yeah, yeah, no, I mean, but no, I, I hear what you're saying. I think though, um, I, I it's so far away though. I mean, like it's, a lot of things have to go right. It is, things, yeah, you know? absolutely. And guys got to stay healthy. Guys always get hurt. Yep, um, absolutely. And guys do stupid things like flashing guns on Instagram. So, <laughs> yes, exactly. When you're a star player with a max contract. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, well, we'll be right back to wrap this bad boy up. All right. Welcome back to Cats Podcast. Nate Smith, Chris Francis. Uh, I did want to call out one thing which I thought was super funny was the Fedor, I think there was a Fedor article about uh, Donovan Mitchell and his future. And one of the things they said that was going to keep him engaged was Dan Gilbert has been a lot more present in the organization in the last year. And I was like, (laughs) yeah, it's going to be Dan Gilbert, not the third of a billion dollars. So I just thought that was super funny. funny. (laughs) I mean, and much love to Dan Gilbert. I hope you're... Danny Dollar, you know. Yeah. Danny Dollar is going to be forking out that money. So I, if he's, if he's, uh, well, know. and he's got to keep up with his arch rival Matt Ishbia. That's right. Who, Can't, oh yeah. <laughs> who just dumped a whole bunch of like. Oh my gosh. Yeah. When we get to team previews, I'm gonna, I'm gonna gush with jealousy over the Suns and then tell everybody really? they. Need- I'm surprised. I think the Suns have made a ton of super smart edge of the roster moves that like they've made a bunch of moves that like, okay, there's a third of a chance a guy that's a that real we, interesting scorching hot take right there. Well, there's a third of the chance that this guy is going to be good. We got six of these guys. Two of them will turn out to be rotation players. Like, <laughs> like I think that's an interesting way to approach they're kind of very limited free agency options. Yes. So, 
And I think they've done some really creative things with sign and trades and with the caps and operating over the cap. And really, yeah, I the the um, the, the limits they had on being a double apron team and just uh, the the amount the way they filled out those that roster, I think, has been really creative and really interesting. So. Mm. Interesting. All right, that's a. I, you know, we need to bookmark that take. That, I like that take. Like it's a very intriguing. That's, well, yeah. I mean, when we get to when we get to team previews, I think we'll we'll pull that out, and you can you can polish that turd. <laughs> <laughs> Damn! Already, already abandoning it. Already oh, you know me. Come on. Man. You know me. I don't trust you... in it. Every other word that comes out of my mouth. So. Wow. Wow, that was a good one, though. Come on, man. No, I'm my own worst critic. Uh, Yeah, yeah. You should go easy on yourself, there, partner. Thanks, thanks, buddy. (laughs) Speaking of, um, anything to pitch? Any stories to tell? Um, No, I unfortunately caught me off guard as always. I, I guess the story is uh, um, on a personal note. I just finally completed my grad school application to go. Oh, congratulations! School. Yeah, yeah. So um, we'll see what happens. Like, that awesome. Was, that was the frenzy that I was in during the month of July. Was just trying to get that all finished. You know, nice with uh, summer league going on, but uh, we'll see now you're going to, now you're going to make me want to go back to grad school. Oh man. I, I well, I started grad school and then COVID happened and I had to take care of two kids all day and work. Oh man. I didn't <laughs> so, know that, that you were, so you were, you were committed to it then. Uh, I was in classes. Yeah. Wow. I, computational data analytics. Oh, oh God. Oh, God. <laughs> How did you know? No wonder you left. <laughs> well, it was hard to work full time, have two kids at home, and go to grad school. So. Oh yeah, oh yeah. My dad tried it multiple times and could never yeah. pull it off. Like he yeah. was like, uh, you know. And I well, it. when when I say two kids at home, I mean all the time because of COVID. Sure. So. No, exactly. Yeah. No. That's so that's kind of what I gave up on it and haven't gone back. So. Yeah. No, I can no no blaming you there. I mean, it's it's a thing for me where I've tried to. I've tried to put it off multiple times. I've, I've resisted this. I've resisted the. You resisted the pull. Yeah. Okay. Do it, man. You only live once. Educate you yourself. I, that's, I that's what's up. going to college is one of the best things I ever did for me. And, yeah. uh, yeah, I and I, I don't have any doubts that you'll do great in grad school. So I appreciate that. I need that. I need that mojo. Cause uh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Was, it was a, it was a, I would say it was eleven and fifteen at night. It was due at eleven fifty nine. So I beat the, <laughs> I beat the limit by forty five minutes. <laughs> nice. I I would like to say that I don't wrestle with those same uh, problems with deadlines, but I absolutely do. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who can't relate? Who uh, but relate? exactly. So. My pitch, I mean, I've, I've definitely been a world traveler this summer. I'm going back to Ohio this weekend, went to Alaska, did the whole tour of the Great Plains uh, in April. So it, it's definitely been a whirlwind. Uh, I think that sounds beautiful. It was beautiful. Alaska was amazing. We had beautiful weather. Um, it wasn't the scorcher it was when I went up in 99 or 2019. Mm. So, um, I'm happy that uh, that the weather patterns, at least there, return to normal and, and it's gorgeous here. But uh, 
I guess my pitch is for the best pizza I've ever had. And it is at a local restaurant. It was their pizza of the month. They do a community pizza, which they give, they do like a special pizza every month and they give five bucks from every pizza to uh, the local food bank. And I think it's awesome. So I do that. This one, you got to hear this pizza. You will enjoy it. It is so kind of a thinner crust, thin to medium crust, pesto, kimchi, uh, cheese, bacon, what they call rocket sauce, which I think is uh, like the orange sauce they put on uh, sushi. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. It's real similar to that. It's like a, a spicy aioli. Yeah, like a yeah spicy mayonnaise. Yeah. And then roasted Soshito peppers. It is a revelation. This is the best pizza I've I'm ever disturbed. had. I'm personally disturbed by this combination. <laughs> what uh, the heck? It's actually good. You actually it, it, No, it. it's not actually good. It is amazing. Like, do you like spicy food? Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. And and you did, did kimchi yay or nay? Oh, uh, oh yeah. No question. <laughs> okay. But on pizza, so Oh, it's so pesto good. Pizza? Pesto and kimchi is kind of the sauce. Wow. They kind of fuse to make this and of course, you know, your regular mozzarella cheese on there. But it's amazing. Like you will never taste anything this good. And then they drizzle the rocket sauce on there. And then they roast whole Shoshito peppers, whole fresh Shoshito peppers, roast them over an open flame, and then cook them on the pizza. And it's just, it's a revelation. Oh, my God. I I, I don't know about this. I'm scared. I'm scared. (laughs) I'm just a simple caveman lawyer. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just a simple grad student. Wow. So yeah, that's, you, yeah. You, and the, the restaurant sounds, Wait, yeah, what's is, the name of the restaurant? We got to do it. Hops on uh, 84 East in Holland, Michigan. Holland, um, Michigan. Yeah, it is. This this pizza is a revelation. I'm I'm actually petitioning it to become a part of their regular rotation. So. Wow. Holy crap. Wow. Like, this is, this is, uh, my mind is blown right now. Like, <laughs> I, I just. I'm shocked you tried a pizza with that uh, exotic blend of flavors, and I'm shocked that you are obsessed with it. That's like, oh, I am, I am. Wow. So they do these crazy pizzas every month. Like they did one one month. It was uh, they had uh, pepperoncini peppers, pesto, and then whole or halved meatballs on the pizza. Ooh. Ooh. And that was okay. that was amazing. Okay. I, I you you're selling me on that one. That that's not, yeah, not the kimchi though, huh? Not the kimchi. I'm sorry. I'm telling yeah. you the the sweet hot with the smoky bacon, like they, they make the just the perfectly cooked crackled bacon on there. Mm. Oh it's so good. Mm. Now I mean you you, you gotta I, I gotta I if I could I'd send you send you a pie. <laughs> so oh man oh man I, yeah I know I feel like we need a we need a, like a poll to post or something like on yeah. this, this kimchi belong on pizza. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and that's all I got really other than oh yeah go see the revivalists I saw them uh, last night uh, they're really oh. good. Okay, I got a pitch for you. You just inspired me. Okay. 
uh, lay it on me, brother. My favorite reggae artist, uh, Beres Hammond, is uh, okay. How do you spell that? Uh, B E R E S and okay. Hammond, like the Hammond B three organ. Uh, so, the legendary Hammond yeah, B three so, organ. Yeah. So Beres Hammond is a legendary uh, reggae um, lovers rock uh, reggae artist. He's uh, right now. He's currently on tour on the Eastern Seaboard. He's going to be coming through. Um, you know, uh, the neat, greater New York City area. He's coming through Baltimore, D.C. He's coming through. Um, coming to Chicago, Philly. Philly. No, no, he's sticking. Uh, he's sticking to the coast. Yeah, East Coast. Yeah, it um, won't come to flyover country, huh? No. Well, he, he may have <laughs> earlier in the tour. Actually, got it. Um, he's he's actually done a stop. The, the first time I saw him, only time I ever saw him was actually in Columbus, Ohio, at the All Rosa Villa. Which I guess doesn't nice. exist anymore. So, um, the infamous one. But uh, yeah, no, he's uh, he's touring the Eastern Seaboard. So if any of our Eastern Seaboard listeners are out there, check him out. He's amazing. Yeah. Take your significant other, you know, uh, and uh, you know, just enjoy the dulcet tones of Barris Hammond. Yeah, awesome. Well, and with that, we'll about wrap it up. I just got one more thing to say. For all you Ohioans, vote no on issue two. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and always go Cavs. That's right. Go Cavs. Thank you for listening to Cavs the Blogs podcast. Check back soon for some more fun with your favorite blogger. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.